Hello, and welcome to the third episode of the Chronicle of the Horse podcast. I'm Molly Bailey, senior reporter for the Chronicle of the Horse. Before I introduce our guest this week, a word from our sponsors, Kentucky Equine Research and Leg Up. When you see a horse feeder supplement developed by Kentucky Equine Research, you know it's based on over 30 years of science. With nutrition and exercise physiology research facilities in Kentucky and Florida, Kentucky Equine Research investigates innovative supplements, validates unique feed ingredients, and optimizes partner feeds. Look for KER products and learn more at KER.com. Kentucky Equine Research, world leaders in equine nutrition. I'm Dr. Darby Bonomi, sport and performance psychologist and mental skills expert. Do you struggle with nerves, perfectionism, or fear? Do you sense you're just not riding your best? Research shows that for accomplished athletes, performance is 90% psychological. Let me help you bring your best to every ride, at home and at shows. I've helped many riders overcome challenges and shine. Let's connect. I'm happy to help you too. You can reach me at darbybonomi.com or on social media. Earlier this month, reporter Laura Lemon explored mental health in the horse world in the lead story in our January 13th Rider Health and Fitness issue. She spoke with various riders about how struggles with their mental health have affected them, including Matt Brown. Matt spoke candidly about his own depression, first in blogs for the Chronicle, then in Laura's story. If you haven't read Matt's thoughtful blogs, you're missing out. You can find them at cough.com. Today, we're welcoming Matt Brown onto the show. Matt is an accomplished upper-level eventer based in Cochranville, Pennsylvania, though he's speaking to us from his winter base in Aiken, South Carolina. Matt was shortlisted for both the 2015 Toronto Pan American Games and the 2016 Rio de Janeiro Olympic Games. In 2017, he was sixth at the Rolex Kentucky three-day aboard SuperSox BCF. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for joining with us. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. We've invited you here to share your experiences and observations about mental health in the horse world. So let's get right to it. In the article you did with the Chronicle and one of the blogs, you talked about your first trip to the psychiatrist. Talk about how you got there. Well, it wasn't easy, (laughs) um, to say the least. Uh, I had been speaking with a sports psychologist for some time, and I I had stopped uh, speaking with her for a little while when I started to feel, uh, you know, sort of worse and worse. And, you know, when you start not feeling good, it's, at least for me, it's harder to communicate with people. And so sort of slowly, I, I sort of uh, distance myself um, and get just get stuck in my head. And my wife sort of is watching that process happen. and. So she, at the end of one day, um, you know, she didn't confront me about it, but she was asking me about it. And, you know, she asked me if I thought I was depressed. And, and my immediate response was, no, no, I don't feel sad. Like, that's not how I feel. I feel frustrated. I feel, you know, sort of angry, um, but I don't feel sad. Um, because to me, that's what I thought depression was. Um, so she encouraged me to call the sports psychologist back uh, and talk to her about it. And one of the first things that the sports psychologist said to me was that actually um, depression um, 
in men uh, very often looks like frustration and anger. And I had no idea about that. Um, and so she encouraged me to, to see a psychiatrist. Um, and I sort of begrudgingly went. Um, but I certainly wasn't looking forward to it by any means. Right. Absolutely. Who would be, right? Mm -hmm. And what was that first trip like? It was a little bit awkward. You know, I, I have sort of opinions about medications and, you know, it just seems like everybody is sort of on something and I, I didn't want to be one of those people. I had had and have friends who I know have been on medication. I have nothing to against them. I don't think badly of them. Just for some reason, for me, I thought that, you know, I would never need to do that. Um, and so it felt weird to me going and, you know, seeing a psychiatrist. And when, when the psychiatrist agreed with my sports psychologist that I was experiencing some depression and gave me the medication, when I, when I left the office, it, that was the first time that, um, I felt like, oh, like this is actually, I, I, I guess I am depressed. And the feeling that I had was, um, or what I was saying to myself basically was, you know, so I guess I can't even control myself, you know? So I actually felt worse uh, when I was first um, given the medication and I didn't take it. Uh, I got home and dedicated myself to, you know, focusing honestly on my mental health and taking time to read about depression and um, mindset and change my diet and um, that worked for a time uh, and really helped helped my understanding about um, mental health issues and uh, so initially I didn't need to take the medication but after about a year I I sort of started falling back into the same pattern and, and decided to go back and see the psychiatrist again. How did you decide to publicly dis discuss your depression? Obviously, it's something very personal. You know, I've, I've always been pretty open. I'm not really, you know, I guess I'm not really afraid to talk about stuff I'm going through. I, I think, you know, process is very important to me. Um, you know, what I'm, how I think about what I'm doing and um, just what I'm doing on a ba daily basis uh, is important to me. And I'm, I've always been very interested in helping my clients sort of think about that sort of thing as well. Like I, one of the things I, as a habit, I do a lot when I'm teaching people is just, I ask them like, what were you thinking about when you just did that thing? And not in a negative way, <laughs> not like, how could you be thinking about that? But but like just to try to see what their mental process is. And now I wonder why they chose to use that aid instead of this other aid to, to see if I can figure out, you know, how to address the issue. Um, and, and I just know, you know, I think that people, not only I can certainly identify with people's struggles almost more than I can identify with their strengths. Um, and, and I know that I certainly had struggled and I was hoping that, you know, by me talking about my struggle, um, it would make it easier for people to recognize it, you know, within themselves. 
And what's been the reaction to you opening up about that struggle? Uh, honestly, it's been great. I mean, there's been people that I've been pretty close to that I've had, you know, fairly long time clients that uh, I didn't know had been struggling with mental health issues, even some people who, who have been taking some medication. Um, and, and so it's really, I've had a lot of really good conversations since that time with uh, not only people that I'm close to, but also just people reaching out who either, you know, read one of the blogs or, or whatever about, you know, something that they've been going through. And, you know, I think that for whatever reason, I think that mental health right now is a big issue. Um, you know, whether it's just because of, you know, modern life and social media and all of that, I think there's always the tendency to see what everybody else is doing right and what you're doing wrong. And I think just to be able to, to feel free to talk to somebody about what you're doing wrong and what they're doing wrong, um, it, it really, I don't know. I think once that conversation starts, it really allows you to see from a different perspective. That makes sense. One thing I found really interesting about your story is that you started to struggle when things were going better than ever in your career. Some others have blogged about struggling when things were going really poorly. Maybe their best horse goes lame or goes in for colic surgery. It just goes to show how much perspective has to do with this. How do you try to keep, per keep your perspective to keep yourself balanced? Yeah, it's all about what you're thinking about, right? So I, I definitely had some, some of my most successful um, moments in my career leading up to, to um, having the depression. Um, but that's not what I was thinking about. Um, I had very specific goals and I've always been a very goal oriented person. Um, and so I was focused on the specific goals, one of which was going to the Olympics and being named as an alternate alternate to the Olympics wasn't going to the Olympics. Um, and, and honestly, I think I, I try to create really like sort of high goals for myself. I, I have a pretty high standard that I want to achieve and one thing that the sports psychologist helped me to realize is that, you know, I, I most likely will never reach the level that I want to reach. You know, I, I most likely will always feel like I'm not, not good enough, you know? And I, I think that's probably partly just being a, a really motivated person and having really high standards for yourself. But I realized that, that a lot of that goal thinking, a lot of that outcome thinking was, the start of you know some of my issues so um not thinking about my goals number one um has been a big part of um trying to change my mind mindset and keeping perspective um and in that sense it's focusing on what i can control because you know most of my outcome goals you know i i, I don't control those obviously um and so trying to focus on, instead of on, on my goals, focusing on my commitments and on my values, those are things that I can focus on on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm really motivated person. So I don't, I don't really need to worry about my goals. I'm, I'm always going to be pushing for my goals. Um, 
but focusing on my commitments and on my values sort of on a daily basis keeps me grounded. It keeps me from getting way out ahead of myself. In the article, you're quoted as saying that there's a culture of overwork in horse sport. Talk a little bit more about that and how that can be detrimental. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about that question. Uh, Just been trying to think of, you know, the, the business of the sport. And there aren't really a lot of very successful business models out there where you see someone who's, you know, making significant amount of money living comfortably you know it's sort of a uh, a business of struggle and you know maybe it's partly because most of us get into this because we love horses and not because we're you know business majors um but i think it's it's trying to make something work because you love it and not trying to make something work out of a, a goal of being you know uh financially stable um but just as an example, t- today is my day off. So it seems like the industry standard is working six days a week, not five. And, and probably more like, you know, 60, 70-hour work weeks instead of 40-hour or 80-hour work weeks. Um, and so today is my day off. I'm talking to you. And then I'm finishing writing up my schedule for the week. And then I'm riding five horses. And that's my day off. And and I don't think that's unusual. I mean, I think at least for the people that I know in the sport, like that's that's what you do. Um, and, you know, I, I see it taking a toll on people, but I also see it like I, even though I'm, you know, have all this mental health stuff on my mind and trying to sort of stay focused and centered if I see someone who I, I think isn't working hard enough, I immediately think to myself, oh, that person just, they're not going to make it. Like, they have to work way harder than that. Um, so I, I feel that push and pull still, you know, within, within myself of if I'm not at the barn working uh, every hour, I'm not doing anything. Um, and I know that's not true, and I know that that's detrimental. Um, but that's really been sort of hammered into my, my mind over the course of my, my career. And it's something that's very difficult to, to get out of. So that leads us into the next question quite nicely. Um, When do you feel like toughness, which is a trait that's so prized in the horse world can come into conflict with someone's mental health? Yeah. Cause you have to be tough, right? Right. I mean, that's, there's a lot that you're going to have to persevere through. There's a lot that you're going to have to sort of fight through. Um, I think the problem is, and, and this idea of toughness for me, not only has really affected my, my mental health um, in the sense that my reaction to, you know, being upset, being frustrated, having, you know, any sort of emotion was just to like, shut it down and just if i can just ignore it i can keep pushing through i can get up in the morning i can do what i need to do and just push through um and that obviously can lead to some really not good outcomes um but also just in my within my career and within my relationships just pushing through doesn't work all the time and i think that there are some uh specific 
times in your life where yes, for a short period of time, look, you're just going to have to dig deep and push through. But if that's all you're doing day in, day out, if that's your go-to thing, then there's going to be problems. Um, I see it the same with horses and um, with my training. If I'm getting on a horse that's having a problem and every day all I'm trying to do is push that horse through the problem, it's going to get worse. Um, you know, if I'm at a show and I need to push through a problem for a second, fine. But then when I get home, I need, instead of pushing through the problem, I need to think about the problem. I need to spend some time with the problem. I need to think about what I'm missing. I need to, you know, try to see what the horse has been trying to tell me that I've been ignoring, you know, all of that sort of thing. So to me that the way that I have thought about toughness through my career, um, I've really needed to change because for me, what has been the toughest thing for me to deal with in my life has been actually dealing with uh, my emotions rather than stuffing it. That was way tougher, honestly, than stuffing it. Um, it's way tougher when I'm riding a horse and the horse starts to have a problem or give me attitude or be strong or whatever. It's way tougher to stop and not react and not immediately fight with the horse. Um, take a deep breath, think about what's happening, right? Like, I think most people would agree that that's the harder thing to do. Um, and I don't know that that's how all the time we're thinking about what being tough means. That makes a lot of sense. You touched on this earlier that you've read an awful lot about mental strength and agility. What types of takeaways from all your reading have helped you up your mental game? I think the the biggest thing was the idea of, um, you know, in, in terms of goal thinking, process goals over outcome goals, you know, focusing on the process, because um, that's more, more something that you can control. Um, it was helpful for me to read about um, just different mental states. I really didn't really know, understand much about how the brain works. Um, so that, that has been very helpful. Um, but primarily I think as far as my mindset goes, thinking how I'm thinking about my goals and also sitting down and thinking about, um, my commitments, what, what, what am I committing myself to? I'm committing, committing myself to be around the horses in a certain way, to be a certain type of, um, horse trainer, uh, my commitments to my wife, to my family. Um, and then also, you know, I, I came up with probably four or five um, values that are very important to me. Um, and if I start to struggle, that's sort of the first thing that I go back to. Like, um, am I representing uh, those four or five values in the way that I want to? And if I'm, if I am trying to take a step closer towards a goal and but I feel like I'm, I'm not representing one of those values the way that I, I want to, then I'm getting off track. So, you know, having those values fresh in my mind is a way to, to continually sort of bring me back onto the, the path that I want to be on and not um, slowly get sort of pulled off that path because I'm starting to focus on an outcome that I really, really, really want and I'm almost willing to sacrifice everything for it but I've decided that 
I'm not willing to sacrifice these five values. Um, so that, that's really helpful to keep me on, on track because when, when I'm on that track, when I'm going down that road, I feel really good about what I'm doing. You've pointed out the irony that horses are good for people to help them de-stress, but working with them in a, in a competitive horse sport world can be really stressful. Talk a little bit about that. You know, I see it a little bit in the same light as the, the um, goal-oriented thinking and process-oriented thinking. You know, training horses, horses is a process, and, but competing is something that you do in the moment. And in the moment, you know, you have to perform, the horse has to perform. And so it's really easy when you're riding to lose, to lose focus of the process. And, you know, the horses, uh, the horses aren't on, on our time frame. Uh, you know, they don't have a watch. Um, they're just living life, you know? So they don't really think in that way. And when we start thinking in that way, when we're on them, it can, really create some behavioral issues uh, for the horses. So um, trying to get first and foremost in touch with the horse. Um, you know, when I first get on my horse, I just walk it around on the buckle. Um, and that's, that's time for me that I spend not focusing on my, my plan for the ride, not focusing on the movements that this horse needs to get better at in order to be ready for the competition. That's just time that I take to sit on the horse, <clears throat> sit on the horse, relax, figure out where that horse is that day, remind myself of what horse I'm sitting on, what it likes, what it doesn't like, um, so that I can, I can start where the horse is. And, and I'm doing that for the horse, but honestly, I'm, uh, that's how I'm staying centered throughout the day. Also, um, if I wasn't taking that that couple of minutes, especially because, like we talked about earlier, uh, just how busy horse professionals are. Like you're going from one horse to the next, one lesson from the next. We don't take breaks. Uh, you know, it, it's it's very easy to get behind mentally and not be in the moment dealing with the horse that you're sitting on, but dealing with the client that you just taught who was frustrating or the interaction you just had in the barn that was frustrating or, you know, the show that's coming up tomorrow or, or you know, any of those things. Um, and so I think just the fact that horses are in the moment animals, um, if we can focus on that and get in touch with that rather than fight that, um, I think it can be a really good way of, uh, getting into a better state of mind. Is there something that you think our federation could or should be doing to help individuals who either have mental health challenges or just manage the stress of being a serious horse person? Yeah, it's interesting. I think that honestly, it has to come from the members. Um, I think that having conversations like this is what, what mainly needs to happen. I think what, what the federation can do is open up avenues where these conversations can happen. Um, I also think having um, a place where people can get information about, um, you know, mental health, uh, specifically related to riders, horse professionals, equestrian disciplines. Um, I think 
facilitating these types of conversations and getting information out there um, is is really where the federation can I think play a role. But ultimately, I think it's people having a willingness to talk about it and not only talking about just our own personal issues and but also issues within the uh the business of equestrian sports and and how could we look at um creating new or different business models that are not only healthier but more productive uh, because there's been a lot of studies that you know, the more hours you work does not necessarily increase your productivity. Um, and I, I certainly know that to be true, you know, when you're dealing with horses. Um, so I think talking about the industry as a whole and, and healthy and not healthy things about the industry. Um, and also the same thing about um, just sort of living in a competitive uh, field or in a competitive industry and how that, um, you know, affects us i think talking about those things and and opening up avenues to talk about those things like um the chronicle has done with the, the latest magazine and by doing you know podcasts like this i think are is the most helpful thing for has been the most helpful thing for me but i think for the industry and people within the industry in general i think that would be the most helpful excellent Matt, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. That's our show. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Chronicle of the Horse podcast. We really appreciate Matt for coming on the show. And thank you to our sponsors, Kentucky Equine Research and Leg Up. You can find links to our sponsors in the show notes accompanying this episode at cough.com. We look forward to our next episode next month, and you can expect new episodes in your feed every month. You can listen at www.cough.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Please do follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Chronicorse. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.